Hello, my name is John Jacob. You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. This is podcast number 102. If you're expecting the best of montage marking 100 episodes of the Thoroughly Good Podcast series, you are going to be disappointed for a whole variety of reasons. That has been delayed a little more on that in a later episode. But you shouldn't be too disappointed because as podcasts go, this is of the moment of three moments in fact and is as many of them have been before a reflection of where classical music and the arts is right now in the middle of a global pandemic. It celebrates those people who have responded to that pandemic too. It shows what they've done. It illustrates their passion and their hope and enthusiasm and determination too. These introductions are, by and large, recorded at the point of publication, minutes before they're uploaded to the internet, so the introductions are then the most topical reflections inspired by the material they lead onto, and also they act as a document of what I'm thinking about now. And in the case of this episode, it's a reflection of two distinct moments in time, before Covid and after and specifically how one arts manager responded to the challenges that change in circumstance brought about. Back in February of this year, I attended the UK launch of Latvia's 2020 Riga Yermola Festival, the second such festival from the same stable as Verbier and Georgia's Sinandali Festival. It was a jolly affair in an ambassador's residence, as I recall, lots of sweeping stairwells, glamorous lighting and stylish objets d'art. The wine flowed, even though the event was billed to start shortly before midday, and if memory serves me correctly, I stood within an arm's length of pianist Martin James Bartlett, the editor of Gramophone magazine, and various other familiar-looking individuals. It was a small space with an uplifting atmosphere about it. It was an event that looked forward to the summer. There was a possibility of a trip to revisit an old stomping ground, Riga. The mind plays funny tricks on you when events move at a pace. When I think back to that event, I can picture myself there, but I don't remember anyone at the time even talking about COVID transmission rates or social distancing. Even thinking about the proximity of everyone at that event makes me feel strangely ill at ease now. Three weeks or so later, COVID happened in the UK. Events were cancelled and postponed. Shock bedded in, bargaining started. And as I think I've said before, I remember going through the first few weeks of lockdown, convinced that if COVID had hit the continent first and they had got over it before the UK, then there was every chance that things would just return to normal by the end of the summer. Look how that turned out. A Riga Yermola festival then presented itself as a sort of a bellwether festival. As long as they didn't cancel or postpone, then everything would kind of cling on to some kind of normality. It didn't really turn out that way. The festival was eventually postponed and events moved online like a great many other arts endeavours have done over the summer. Recorded concerts were, as you'll hear in this episode, played out via speakers on beaches. But sometime in September, Riga Yermola popped up again. They had reconfigured their events based on the careful calculation that things would probably be back to some kind of normality in 2021. So it was a few weeks ago that I ended up speaking to Zana, the CEO of Riga Yermola, again to find out what the 2021 version of this year's festival would look and sound like and what challenges she and her team had risen to to make the best of a constantly shifting situation. 
At a point in time when things feel as though they've been put on hold, despite the many endeavours arts organisations are now engaged in, there is something curious and captivating about Rigi Yermola. Perhaps it's something to do with how it very nearly happened but didn't, how it might have been part of my travel plans for 2020 but later wasn't, and perhaps it's also something to do with how maybe it will still end up being the first event that signals a return to normal concert going for me. Or maybe it won't. Or maybe it's something to do with the accent and my perception of Latvian people being incredibly stylish. I don't know. Either way, it's a festival to keep a careful eye on. First, we need to go back to February 2020. You can hear why Riga is so special to me and Zana in the interview we sat down for shortly before the UK launch event. Then you'll hear a sequence from the King Singers Finding Harmony album, one piece they'll be singing in the 2021 festival they appear in. After that, the sound quality, I'm afraid, diminishes, but readily shared insights, I think, compensate. Riga Yermola Festival runs from the 16th of July to the 29th of August 2021. For more information, visit riga-yermola.com. That's R-I-G-A-J-U-R-M-A-L-A.com. Uh, I'm Zan Chokstan. I'm the executive director of Riga Yermola Music Festival. Uh... Tell me about Riga. Riga is an amazing historical city. Uh, uh, well, for four centuries, it was the biggest city uh, around Baltic Sea, bigger than Stockholm. Uh, goes back to 12th century, and uh, it's my hometown. Uh, it's uh, it's a great place for both. You know, arts and culture and, of course, entertainment. It's very green, uh, very beautiful. What do you love about it? Well, for me, of course, it's different. I've lived both in London and in New York, so um, for me, it's, it's, it's mostly home. But uh, I guess what I love about it is I guess, the quality of life uh, in general. Very, everything is very close. Everything is very accessible and... By accessible, I mean both physically, but also, you know, financially. <laughs> um, I was just telling an hour ago as well about the Latvian passion for classical music and uh, and opera in particular. It's, um, you know, pretty much, I believe every single Latvian has been in opera house. Uh, I'm pretty certain about it. I mean, when I was growing up and I didn't have background in, in music you know I wasn't studying it uh, I don't play an instrument but for me let's say in high school the choice was to buy for the last money uh, you know a pint of beer or or standing ticket for the opera I would often call, times choose go to, to opera because that's what you know teenagers uh, oftentimes do in, in, in Latvia why, why, why the difference there's the, the combination, I guess, both of, of, of education and, and culture. So one thing is uh, Latvian um, culture has been, you know, kept alive by, by, by singing mostly. So, you know, you have umbrella revolutions, rose revolutions, orange revolutions. Well, we had singing revolution, you know, so and... And uh, again, pretty much every Latvian, if he has any, you know, uh, any any musical capabilities, again, have sung in choir and you would study, you know, music as part of general education. It's mandatory and... Uh, it's and mandatory? Yeah. As in it's part of it? It's part yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's part of curriculum. Uh, In the same way that sports might be. Sorry? In the same way that sports, games. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Exactly the same way. And, and then we have this uh, tradition going back to 19th century, which is called Song and Dance Festival. So, you know, 20,000 professional, well, amateur singers, but then they work on it for four years, joining in a big choir and, uh, and performing quite complicated repertoire. And, and uh, I guess... Yeah, it's the combination of, of those two factors. Does it surprise you if I tell you that, that my experience in this country is very different? It's Hence my interest in actually... <laughs> I mean, what, what I hear is that there's a, a national identity is rooted in, in participatory music-making. That's, that's what I hear you telling me. Yes. Um, that isn't the experience here. Well, it Does that surprise you? N- n- no, I guess... I mean, we actually... Ha- we started last year and we had... 47 journalists from 30 countries visiting us and 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 quite a few of them from UK so and and talking with them I, I came to realize that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, not, going, it's not oh, what, wow. what <laughs> it's not what an average Londoner do no, on no. weekends yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so well certainly the thing about going to the opera <laughs> yes 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 so that was I remember I had an interview with Condon Nast then we, we were talking about it and and then in the middle of the interview, the, the journalist is like, do you understand that you're living a luxury life? Yeah, and yeah. I said, like, what do you mean luxury? Meaning my <laughs> income is way below average, you know, both in Latvia. Oh, I am sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> both in Latvia and definitely here, but meaning that's what, what, that's what you do. And he said, like, do you understand that majority of Londoners have never been and mm. will never mm. be in an opera house? I said, like, oh, I, I never, I've never thought about it. Does that seem strange to you, though, or does it no, seem many, does it I think saddening? That, or no, no, I think it's like every country have, uh, I guess, their own, uh, you know, passions and and hobbies and things they are good at, you know. So it's just the for for us, as I tell the Latvians, uh, wouldn't even, you know, exist as a nation, uh, a separate language, yeah. and 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 country. We're tiny, you know. Yeah. Now below two, yeah, we That's are below two million, you know, and you know, so and uh, I think that the reason we are still a nation and and quite proud nation is because of of music traditions. I am going to ask you about the festival. I mm-hmm. promise. Yeah, no worries. Um, I'm talking about it all the time, so I'm more than happy to, <laughs> right, would you talk, like to talk about, about something, something different. Else, yeah. Fine, fine. Do about you... childhood. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, well, actually, funnily enough, um, yeah. do you recall? Uh, Riga in 2003 2003 that was the year before we entered uh, EU Uh, I mean do you you remember what Riga was like in 2003 (laughs) maybe not vaguely (laughs) no 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 I I moved to London in 2004 5 but but vaguely, well, it has changed a lot. It's uh, that's an, another, I guess, beauty of small countries. Uh, things can happen very quickly, you know. Once there is a momentum, uh, both on the level of the government or, or general country, uh, yeah, it can change quite quite a lot. But I don't. Is there anything particular you have? Uh, in mind? Well, to, you were you were there? I'm not asking you if you remember <laughs> if I was there because that would seem a little yeah. self-indulgent, but um, or certainly more self-indulgent <laughs> than normal. Um, I went to Riga in 2003 oh. there, because I went for the Eurovision. Oh uh, wow! Yes, and, right. And I really, and for me, that was a that was a really big trip. I mean, it, you know, oh. it wasn't wasn't that far around yeah. the world, but it was a really big deal for me. <laughs> and I remember being struck by. <clears throat> 
uh, the scale of the city, the immense pride that there was in the city. Some buildings had been renovated, mm-hmm. or cleaned, painted. I mean, there was a, an enormous amount mm-hmm. of colour, I recall, in the centre of the city. Uh, and everything being within walking distance. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there were some buildings that were dilapidated, almost abandoned. And mm-hmm. so they, it felt as though at that point Contrast. in time, it was a city in transition. Yes. And and it was very easy for mm-hmm. me to get swept along by that Eurovision bubble in mm-hmm. 2003. Mm-hmm. That was why I was trying to mm-hmm. ask you yeah, whether, yeah. whether that really Eurovision was Eurovision is not my... Uh, no, no, and I'm not asking yeah. for expertise <laughs> on Eurovision. There are far too many people over who, who know far more. But I'm... I'm Recall it being a big deal for Latvia. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether, from your perspective, you recall it being a big deal. Well, or your vision its a, on its own is a, is a funny phenomenon. It's a ridiculous <laughs> program. It's just a ridiculous event. Yes, uh, but uh, I have. I mean, it's it's now what, seventeen years ago, yeah. so it's a quite some time. I mean, I was, uh, I I was still. I mean, I was just started doing my my bachelor's degree degree so i i was but is it is it is an event like that i, I suppose well, i don't think not yeah of, i understand how, how much it has a bigger deal that sort of event is and how big a deal this is for riga that that there is a there's a need for uh reaching out beyond national borders in order to bring no people. definitely definitely and i think the 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 word that you mentioned a couple of times uh, which is 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 pride is extremely important in that respect it's just that uh you know we've been occupied by pretty much every neighbor <laughs> and we have quite a few so and you've uh, obviously got something that everybody wants yeah well i don't know yeah i'm not sure okay. well but right. um but, uh, but 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 yes and, and in that respect i think that uh Latvia really need uh, uh, external confirmation, you know, uh-huh. coming from countries that you know we respect, you know, and uh, and 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 see as a role models, you know, and uh, and I think the events uh, that are international that you know uh, allows or invites uh, other people to discover uh, Riga and Latvia are really important for you know national self-esteem. So. Uh-huh. Definitely, as I said, I was too young to remember, you know, the feeling uh, in the air, and I wasn't watching your news. I've never watched, but uh, but but I think that that it is similar in a way that you know, this is the reason for people to come. This is the reason for international press to write about it. You know, so um, it is very important for for country. Tell me uh, what we can expect to see in the festival. Mm-hmm. Please, I mean, you've got you've got the crib sheet, Ta-da! but I imagine that you don't need it. No, I don't. No, it's uh, <laughs> so we have um, so it's uh, the it's a new classical music festival, and you know Europe have hundreds of uh, of those. So uh, um, the unique aspect uh, is is the concept of the festival. It's it's weekend based, so it's for for weekends in July and August. That's one aspect. The second aspect is that each weekend is uh, anchored by a major uh, orchestra, uh, and all orchestras perform twice. In most cases, Friday, Sunday, to give them day between off, which is also quite unique. You know, not not many can afford. You know, not that we, 
it's a it's not just financial question but also you know a question of timely planning and, and persuading them to do that you know so each weekend is anchored by a major orchestra and and we started the festival with Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra and or, or dear friend Maestro Amares Jansons that sadly passed away just two months ago and uh, so yes, so uh, each weekend anchored by major orchestra and then you know leading soloists, uh, at least one recite major recital every weekend, and then daytime concerts with young stars. You know most of them, Tchaikovsky competition winners and 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 not, and not only. So so basically we try to to balance it. You know both uh, give the best of the best <laughs> you know uh, and then also give uh, a platform for, for, for young talents and we'll be also launching uh, academy uh, so master classes uh, this year um, in conducting which is as well not a usual thing to, 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 to do but for us very important considering the tradition you know sorry about Maris Janssons Andres Nelsons and, and Rubits and Pawog and so many others and uh, then we'll have piano master classes too, uh, and then actually orchestra master classes. So we are working with Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra to have a total of uh, six principal musicians, uh, each leading a master class for the respective instrument group. So. So basically, for amateur players or for, for other professionals? Or no, for students. Uh, right, for okay. students. So, total, we're talking about around 100 wow. uh, students uh, from Latvia, from Estonia, Lithuania, but also we will open some parts of it for international application. It sounds ambitious. I didn't, very. I didn't know. Yes, <laughs> very. Yes, it really is. <laughs> um, how long did that take for you to put together? Mm-hmm. I mean,. It's, you seem very calm and collected. Obviously, I would expect that to give them after a second interview, coffee, but, of course. <laughs> but, but but it sounds big and yeah. No, it's um, there was a there was a pilot project for the for the festival for some for trustees to see if there's even interest, you know, in something like that. But but we actually started uh, in the summer of 2018, and it's ridiculously short time to put. The program of the kind together, um, and it was l- largely made possible due to the fact that our artistic director is Martin Engström and associate artistic director is Miguel Esteban, who worked really hard and, of course, had all the connections, being the founders of Verbier Festival and having led Deutsche Grammophon and 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 being generally very, you know, respected and known uh, professionals. In Does the that make it easier music. To, to make plans? Quickly? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Well, basically, from the moment from the moment when we got uh, approval from the board as for the concept, uh, it was the end of July in 2018. The program was put together in two months, so basically all yes, all orchestras confirming most soloists and so, so forth. So, uh, my my basic level of research uh, extends to discovering that you don't come from a classical music background. But yes, you but clearly love opera. Yes, because an HR communications agency that you run refers to Wagner no, quite a no, lot. No, no, so there's actually or that, have I got that wrong? So there's a combination. So basically, both my parents were professional dancers. So I kind of semi grew up on the on the 
backstage, in the backstage, and so on and so forth. But um, I was always good at math, so actually, yeah, it's okay. You don't need just. Yeah, I need role. like yeah. No, I need to say my first degree is in economics. Oh, right, okay. Right. Yeah, so economics. So I, I've been in 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 marketing and advertising as a researcher and planner for most part of my life, but I've always had a passion for the arts. So ever since I remember myself, I had a daytime job, and then I was organizing different kind of arts initiatives, and the largest of them is Kim Contemporary Arts Center, which is the leading contemporary arts center in, in Latvia. It just celebrated 10-year anniversary. We've done two pavilions for Latvia in Venice Biennial, many international exhibitions. It's a non-profit organization focused on emerging uh, artists from the from the region. So and uh, so I always had you know job in consulting or in advertising and the passion which is arts. And then after graduating Columbia University, New York uh, in arts administration. Uh, Why did you I go started, into that? I'm sorry because to keep no, you no, this it's way, not. I mean, because like as I told, it's like I have background in, in in economics and business, and that's always been a daytime job. But I've always been interested in in the arts. So so it sounds as though that career development was organic. Yes, yes. So so basically, I don't in my world these things don't contradict each uh, each no, other, no. And, and also honestly, meaning. Uh, arts and culture, especially in in the countries as small as as Latvia, um, you know, overall it's a, it's an area that you would do for the love, <laughs> you know, not for for money. So basically, you would have to find other sources of income, you know. Or does that suggest that actually marketing the arts in somewhere like Latvia is uh, brings with it entirely different challenges than say marketing the arts in the UK? I think so. I want to say, is it easier to market the arts in Latvia? No, no, well, no, 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 no. It's uh, to market them. I would say is definitely easier. Meaning, you know, just the level of noise <laughs> is probably yeah. different, and just the love for the music is much, much uh, bigger. So, but that's not the issue. All I'm saying is that, you know, even though Estonia and Latvia are number one, you know countries in the Europe when it comes to percentage of the budget that is devoted to the arts it's still a small budget <laughs> you have to understand yeah. these are very small countries with very small budgets so basically there are not many people who have been you know there's no arts and business in the in the Baltics there's only arts and arts and business and business you know uh, so okay, okay. so um, so I see it as my passion I see it as uh, as a as a public service as well in, in a way but you know it's uh, it's half my life the other half is uh, is is still in, in in consulting the prime minister has announced the most drastic limits to our lives that the uk has ever seen in living memory the aim, he says, is to save lives in this time of national emergency. Without a huge national effort, Mr Johnson has made it clear there will come a moment when the NHS will not be able to cope and more people will die. From tonight, you can only leave your home for very specific reasons. They are to shop for basic necessities such as food and medicine. You can go outside for only one form of exercise a day, alone or with members of your household, all gatherings of more than two people are banned, excluding your family. 
You can leave home for any medical need or to care for a vulnerable person. And finally, you can travel to and from work, but only where absolutely necessary and if you cannot work from home. These new restrictions can be enforced by the police, including using fines. Today, 335 people are confirmed to have died from coronavirus. That's six times more than this time last week. probably been emotionally and otherwise the, one of the most difficult periods, uh, I guess, and, and the, the worst part uh, in all of this was the level of uncertainty. So for two months, we were working on four scenarios, constantly working budgets, plans for each of them. And then every morning or evening, it's like a roller coaster, basically. You know, one moment you think, no, we can still pull it through. No, we can't. No, we could still do something. We could do half of it. No, we can't. You know, so it was basically uh, two months of, of both hard work, constantly planning, replanning. Can we do it in reduced format? Can we do it, you know, can we move the dates, you know, can we... Can we move the the halls? Can we move everything outside? You know, so lots of lots of scenarios were were constantly uh, basically developed and and calculated and and so on and so forth. So I guess those two months of still hoping to do at least part of the festival, at least in some way, uh, we participated in global hackathons when it comes to introducing testing passes. You know, for at least that part of the the audience who either have, you know, antibodies or you know, or or have the COVID application, as at least large part of uh, Latvians already uh, have. So, no, basically trying as well to work with public officials to see, okay, not how we can, no, how we could still do it. But I, I guess the moment we we uh, we made the decision that. Now it was a month after, but more than a month after uh, we announced, uh, yeah, after the 12th of March. Uh, the second already part was, of course, much uh, much better because we immediately uh, decided that there are so many bad news around. We cannot announce the cancellation without giving some hope or announcing something good. So we actually spent the other half of the planning period thinking um, about three major new initiatives that I think have uh, by themselves turned out to be actually very uh, wonderful projects that we, we will continue. The first one is uh, moving music, uh, our academy online. And again, in the beginning, 
we didn't know whether musicians will agree to teach online and you know how what will be the quality but um we've had big success with that total of 30 master classes uh, took place online uh, um most of them were were streamed live so uh, that so then we announced uh, we we also were um, um, we were basically um, playing the recordings of the exact concert programs that we would have, you know, performed live in the parks of uh, River City and also uh, at the seaside. And again, it felt like a very cheesy idea, loud, people stop by, what will be the quality, but it turned out, I can send you videos. It was absolutely a magic event. And you know, we have discovered new audiences. We had so many. I love it. I love the. I think I know the beach that you're talking about because I think I went there hundreds of years ago. Uh, um, so you, you, you played orchestral music out on the beach. Is yeah. that what you, wow. What a, <laughs> that's hilarious. And also, absolutely, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you play orchestral music on the beach? Listen, it's like. It's like, it's so upsetting already, you know, we, we meaning most of concerts were completely cancelled until, of course, uh, August, and then it kind of uh, slowly restarted already, but but we thought, meaning we waited for a year to listen to these programs, you know, yes. that people have been yeah, yeah. weeping, and, and yes. you know, we know our passionate audience members, and we thought, like, why not, why why can't you take a bottle of wine and you know go to beach and and, and listen to that? Have like, you have you been to any British beaches? Sorry. Have you been to any British beaches? Brighton, yes. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it would work in Brighton. I'm just thinking of some of the some of the, no, some of the beaches on the north so coast. Surprised because we didn't know, as I told, whether anyone will come. Because initially people thought that we will. Meaning we will show a video recordings. Meaning we will, you know, there will be big screen. Yeah, yeah. Of course, no. Meaning there is no exact a recording video of the concert that you know can't take place. You know, so so and uh, and so so people. There was a bit of worries about expectation management, and then people said, "But so what will be there?" I said, "Just music." And they were, well, what? <laughs> What? No, you're talking nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> no, this can't be. This can't be. No, that's funny. That's really good. I, uh, one final question for you, which is, um, I wonder how... Uh, lots of people I talk to in the arts world talk about how this is the moment where, for example, classical music has to change or opera has to change the way it works. Um, and that's that point is partly to do with time scales and, and you know, forward planning and, and being nimble, I think. I think that's what they're driving at. I wonder how you think your role in the arts world has changed or the way in which you work has changed over the past six months? I think, well, there are a couple of things, but probably the thing that we uh, will continue working uh, a lot is is really digital transformation. Uh, We are going through all internal processes, be it uh, CRMs or, or, or other systems that we had been planning to introduce but didn't but also we are very seriously thinking about the visitors digital experience so everything leading to the concert uh, in the you know intermission and then after the concert so that so that basically there are much more communication we would like to have much more communication with our audiences um, before the concert uh, in respect to 
both education, both them getting in the mood, but, but also providing additional services and making all the practical aspects much, uh, much easier, uh, manageable. And, and, and same with experience afterwards, uh, which allows us to, uh, you know, uh, create a, a community really uh, of, uh, of our fans and, and friends. So we are working on, uh, on yeah, digital experience of visitors, but, but also artists actually the same. So we want to, oftentimes um, they arrive and we haven't been able, there's always two people in between, you know, their agents and sometimes agents don't reply to emails and then, you know, we find out next day that the artist had the birthday night before when they arrived in the middle of the night and, and, you know, uh, had to celebrate their birthday by themselves. You know, so that many, we just want to have closer yeah, ties with yeah. the artists and also think about their digital experience of the festival. Uh, so everything that happens before the concert and, and after the concert as well. Sound, yeah, okay, so it sounds as though actually from a... Um, you can tell that I've spent quite a lot of time recently thinking about marketing and digital marketing. It sounds as though you're you're in the market of sort of trying to enhance the experience beyond that one thing that they've booked for, that the, that the festival experience starts as soon as they've essentially hit send or hit subscribe. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so that's what we are currently... Uh, currently working on uh, because also we are you see it's i guess the uh Lavi is a small country and as i told uh, it in this case it helps we are more flexible the average age of our audience is 40 basically not 70 which would be a usual case uh, in many other places in europe uh, so so they are when we launch we all our ticket sales are online 100 percent so the first year, everybody was telling you, you can't do this, you can't do it. Sixty percent still happen, you know, in person. La 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 la. We said, like, well, we're gonna try it. You know, the selling them physically doesn't make sense. You know, no. you can't trust, you can't help, you can't be in touch with them. La la la. It's very expensive, and we have not, we haven't had a single problem. You know, we have also seniors buying. If they can't, they call us. You know, we we do for them. It's not, it's not a big. It's not no, I know, a, I know. But but I think what what this period has has highlighted are I think I think for some people they've approached this sort of this call for change as being um, a requirement for radical change or that if if there is change then it needs to be a complete overhaul uh, where in actual fact the change that I've noticed that actually hasn't really had very much of an impact on me and now makes perfect sense are very small things so you know in the in the uk for example i now uh, those those test events that i've been along to i've been along to and the bar hasn't been uh, this sound very british but the bar hasn't been open and normally my concert experience would be go to the concert buy a drink look at the program go and sit in the auditorium and so the idea that the bar isn't there as an audience member uh when I go to those test events, it's like, well, well, it can't be, and actually, I don't really miss it. The only thing that I've come for is the music. Um, obviously, that's different for a venue because a venue is generating income from from that or profits from from that catering thing. But I, I, what I'm interested in is is that actually some of the smaller tweaks uh, yeah. to the experience 
Yeah. Actually, it haven't really been that difficult to enable. And this idea, like you say, oh. of printed tickets, I mean, it just seems really quaint, really. I it's, but but they, they they make a big difference, and you know it's like even you mentioned the bar. You know, for example, one of the issues we have, especially in Yermal, which is an open air concert hall, is is that people can spend I don't know uh, most of intermission queuing to get yes. one thing. This is ridiculous. I don't it understand. Is. It. You're right. It is. Well, I don't understand why in twenty first century I couldn't we pay the Intermission starts, and I ordered. Or I ordered it before. Yes. They tell this is your table. Pick it up. You know, so it just it doesn't make sense. And and I think that meaning you could both maximize the income. You know, that person could drink three glasses of wine instead of one if they would have to queue. But also, it just makes it more enjoyable. You yes. know, and allows to focus on things you should rather than you know being worried whether I even you know get them to the end of the line. You know, so. So, um, so I, I think there's many small things uh, which we have great potential now to, to fix with all the tools available, and uh, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to tell me that I haven't asked you? Wow, most then that's interesting because most people, when I ask them that, they just pause and go, "I'm not really sure." But you were, you were, there was no hesitation. There was no, I've covered everything. That's fine. <laughs> No, of course there are many things that are last conversation. Uh, but uh, um, no, so this moment uh, we've just as I told, we've just launched. We st- just started ticket sales. So far, it's it's going amazingly, uh, amazing. Well, people are happy. People are buying like crazy. And uh, um, yes, uh, if. Uh, let's see what will happen with COVID, but I myself am at least uh, actually very optimistic about next I still have the bag that you gave me. At, well, not you. Obviously, you didn't hand out the bags at the event, uh, but I still have the bag, um, and I still have some of the interview as well. So we'll cut we'll cut some of that with with this. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, no, well, some of the artists that we were planning to have, for example, King Singers. Yes. They were one of the first ones to be completely sold out. Uh, yeah, and so. they've had, and bizarrely, possibly because of the world that I exist in at the moment, um, they've had a remarkable year. I mean, they just seem to have popped up everywhere. Yeah. So and uh, so we were we, we we're very happy that we have been able to reinvite some of the artists. Some we couldn't, not because we didn't want it, but because, as I told, we have been planning this year for three years. So yeah. actually. Most of it was already, you know, it was already already a year ago, so we didn't have that many spots we could move around. But uh, but yes, um, King Singers are, are, are part of that. So some of the program actually is is moved from twenty twenty. Uh, this has been great. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and it's been a pleasure to give you an insight into my. To my lounge, <laughs> which obviously we had, we bought all of this furniture in solely for for this interview because I knew that it would be stylish and sophisticated. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as it's over, we're going to box it all up and ship it out. Well, uh, is a, is a, country, yeah, so, yeah, you've yeah. just got a white wall. <laughs> um, uh, thank you ever so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, and we'll be in touch and, and start planning next summer in Regan, New Holland. Excellent.
I'll I'll sort of buy my ticket. I mean, I don't I don't well, know. Well, you're invited. Uh, you just have to start thinking which weekend or or you know all of them. I think uh, we might have a stage to get through first, which is to get rid of our present government and then put some people in power who know what they're doing. But I understood that Boris Johnson's side effects are getting worse and worse. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Although you know, some of it. Like nature might take care of it. I don't know. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow, that's that wow, okay. I'm...